Can you sense the anticipation? Can you feel the excitement building? Can you? I hope you can because we have made it to day 21, scripture number 21, and we will begin our study. We will begin our discussion starting right now. Welcome, everyone, to the Theology Central Podcast for this Sunday, July the 3rd, 2022. It is currently 5.30 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, where I know I'm on limited time. I know because I just saw what was happening behind me. Right behind me is a window that overlooks a street here in Abilene, Texas, all right? So, so I'm looking out the window, and I see my neighbor pull up, and they get out, and they've got bags, They've got bags of fireworks. They've got, I don't even know how many bags. It looked like the, they should have just had a U-Haul truck and just backed it. They had, who knows? It looks like bought, they bought so many fireworks and I don't know when they have it. But maybe they're waiting till tomorrow, but there's a high probability fireworks are going to start going off in the neighborhood shortly. And once that happens, the window is right behind me. And I don't think fireworks in the background is going to add anything really to the podcast. I think it's going to be extremely distracting. I, I, I know it's going to be. So I wanted to, I wanted to run downstairs and, my, and I wanted to go, hey, 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 I know you don't really care, but you see that window up there? See, that's the Theology Central Studios. That's this, the headquarters for the Theology Central podcast, a podcast that is in the top 10% of all podcasts globally. We're, we, we're above over 2 million other podcasts. Aren't you impressed? And he probably like, why are you telling me this? Because I need you to not pop those fireworks. I, I need you not to set those fireworks off until I'm done. I don't think he would have cared. I, I, I personally, I think what I would, you know, he would be like, oh, the Theology Central podcast. Everyone at work talks about it. Okay, but obviously that wasn't going to happen. But 
I'm on limited time. So we've got to get right to this. If, 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 if it starts happening and we have to stop, I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance, but I'm going to do my very best. That, but that's, that's the way things work sometimes. Okay. So are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. Let's do this officially. As I've already said, welcome to the Theology Central podcast. It is Sunday. Did I say Saturday? It is Sunday, July the 3rd, 2022. It is currently 5.33 p.m. Central Time. I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, and we have arrived at day 21, scripture number 21, and our ongoing series, 30 Scriptures in 30 Days. Remember, a very long time ago, Charles Stanley wrote a book called 30 Life Principles. That book became a Bible. That book became a study guide. I came in contact with it and have been confused by the book ever since, but I cannot let it go. So I, I knew there, there, one day, I didn't know where, I didn't know how, I was going to get the most out of this book. I'm like, I paid money for these books, and I'm not one of those people who's going to buy books and just like, well, never did anything with that, never read that. No, I read it and try to make sure I get the most out of it because money was spent on it. So... In a roundabout way, this series is my attempt to get something out of the books, and hopefully you are getting something out of the books, and this is what we're doing. Charles Stanley came up with 30 principles. To me, it feels like he came up with 30 principles. Then he went and looked for 30 random scriptures, and he tried to impose the principle upon the scriptures. Even in certain cases, the scriptures say absolutely opposite to what the principle he is attaching to it says. It's completely bizarre and very frustrating. So what we've been doing... And this series, I think it's, well, I don't know. I think some people are having fun watching me stumble and struggle through it, but I'm hoping that it's proving to be beneficial in some way because you're kind of seeing, in a way, kind of biblical hermeneutics in real time, right? You're kind of seeing the process take place in real time. It's not, it's not always pretty. It's sometimes messy because I'm stumbling over it because some of the scriptures he's, he's you know, he's connected here. I'm sorry, maybe maybe I should do better, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Some of them, when I see it, I'm like, wait, wait that's the book of Hosea, that's the book of Amos. And I'm, I immediately start thinking, okay, wait, Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom, okay, wait, what's going on? Okay, wait, what, okay, who's going, okay. And, just, and I immediately I start panicking, trying to remember everything I can about the book because I'm, I've got to, in real time, live on the air, try to figure it out because that's one of the things I've tried to do in this series is not do any, well, it's not one of the things I've tried to do, it's one of the things I've done. I'm not preparing beforehand. I'm just opening the book live on the air going, okay, here's the next principle, here's the next scripture, Let's work on it in real time. And the reason I decided to do it that way is because it's designed to make you, as you're listening, going, no, 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 I, no, I, no, I would do it. No, I would do it that way. No, 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 no. You're confusing that. And while you're sitting there trying to correct me and you're thinking about it in real time, whether you like it or not, you just moved from a passive listener to an active participant. And if I accomplish that, in my mind... I did a good thing because I don't like passive listeners. I like active participants. So that's what we've been doing. We've made it. I I kept telling you sooner or later we were going to have some rough episodes and they were not going to go well. And we've had a, kind of a, a number of episodes that really didn't go very well, very much train wrecks. And I, I hate it. But I told you it was going to happen. So it, it finally happened. I don't know what's going to happen today. But we're, we've reached the home stretch. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel 
And I don't think it's it's a freight train headed my way. I, I think it's the actual way out of this dark, dark tunnel. We're going to find our way out. It, okay, I thought that was fireworks already starting. That's a motorcycle. Okay, I was like, what is happening? All right, so I think we're going to find our way out. I just ask that you stay with me, right? We just, we're on day 21. We're almost there. Don't give up. We can make it. We, 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 we can make it. Okay, are you ready? Can, can you stay with me? Can, can you? Can you? All right. I hope so. I need your notebook. I need your Bible. I need your attention. I need your help. Let's start. Day 21. Scripture number 21. We began with looking at the principle as written in Charles Stanley's book, 30 Life Principles. Remember, it's a Bible as well. All right, here we go. Oh boy, here's the principle. Obedience always brings blessing. Obedience always bring brings, I should read it correctly. Obedience always brings blessing. Now, I think we've got to, now, one of the things about his principles is a lot of times, you know, when you just read the principle, you have to kind of really get into, hopefully, the book and try to figure out exactly what he means by that. Obviously, my first thought was, well, wait a minute, what do you mean by blessing? Because I can guarantee you, obedience does not always mean that you're going to get happiness, joy, pleasure. You may not even get what you want. You may be discouraged. You may be frustrated. You may be depressed. You may be upset because sometimes obedience goes exactly against what you want. In fact, many times it does. And when they say we're going to get a blessing from it, well, it may not be that those feelings are going to go away. And it doesn't always mean that if you're obedient, everything's going to work out in your life. You're going to be healthy and wealthy and prosperous. Clearly, that's not the case because that doesn't always work. Now, if you're referring to some kind of a spiritual blessing, I think we can argue that, yes, obedience always is the, the, the path of blessing from a spiritual perspective. Doesn't mean it's always going to turn into a material blessing, a physical blessing, or even an emotional blessing. It just means we are in placing ourselves in a position to receive the spiritual blessings attached with obedience. All right? Obedience always brings blessing. Obedience always brings blessing. All right, there's much more we can say about that, but for now, we'll set the principle aside, right? Remember, the goal here is not to work through all of the, the principles. Obedience always brings blessing. We set it aside. Now, so far in the book, every principle has been attached to some really obscure Old Testament passages, some things in the Minor Prophets, and sometimes you're just like, what in the world? Finally, finally, we end up with a New Testament passage of Scripture. Are, are you excited? About, I'm excited because at least I don't feel like I have to go into complete panic going, man, okay, what am I getting ready to, what, what's getting ready to happen? It's going to probably name some, something, who knows what I'm going to find. But at least here I have at least some more of a comfort level. Now, that may mean I have a comfort level that's going to walk me right into a failure, but who knows? Let's see, all right? The passage is Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Let's see what we discover. Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Here we go. Now, once again, he, uh, over and over and over in, in 
this book. What is just amazing is in many cases, he just rips a scripture so far out of its context that you don't even really know what he's doing with it. Like, for example, right, obedience always brings blessing. And then we, we it's supposed to be Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. And as soon as I open my Bible, I read the verse with, but he said, but wait, 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 that, he's, resp- he's responding to something, but it, it's just completely ripped out of its context. All right. So, but he said, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Jesus, and Jesus is the one speaking here. So it's a Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. Yea, rather, he's contrasting something. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. So he's contrasting something that comes before. And he's saying, no, blessing occurs in hearing the word of God and keeping the word of God. Now, we've got to be really careful what we do with this, all right? Because first and foremost, let's remind ourselves This is just an absolute dogmatic fact. You don't ever keep God's word anywhere close to perfect. You fall short of it constantly. I fall short of it constantly because the word of God, there's so many commands. There's so many commandments. There's law, law, law all over the place. Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And it goes beyond just an external action. Yes, it's wonderful that we may avoid things from an external, but there's always things going on inside that we know is not correct, all right? So we always fall short. So when we say, blessed are those who hear it and keep it, well, we're never going to get there completely. I do believe there's blessings that comes from keeping it, but we're always it's always going to be a mixed bag of, well, I kept it in this area, but I didn't keep it in this area. Oh, I kept it this way, but I didn't keep it that way. It's always going to be, well, not perfect. We all know that. We all know that. But let's remember something. This is very important. Let's, let's, we, we still got to work on Luke 11, but I, I, don't, I don't think we can move forward with talking about blessing until we look at this, right? I mean, do we just ignore this? Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. Because of I am in Christ, I'm already blessed with all spiritual blessings. That is a that is a fact. That is a guarantee based off the fact that I have been saved by faith. There is a, I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. So there is one sense I already have all spiritual blessings somehow in my positional standing. Now, in my practical life, I agree that obedience brings certain kinds of blessing, but let's just make sure we remember on one side, we're already blessed no matter if, no matter how imperfect my obedience is because it's by faith and because I'm in Christ, I have all those spiritual blessings. But in a practical way, there are certain blessings that come from obedience and there are certain negative things that come from disobedience. I think we can all agree that that is true, even in the most basic and practical level. Let's see what they do with this, all right? Um, I'm go- what I'm going to do is going to go to the book. I, I, I just want to like work on that verse, but that verse just, there's so much we're going to have to figure out. So I'm going to see if they build any context to the discussion of this verse and then see within that context if we can maybe come up with some other principles. And if you haven't been with us, that's what we keep doing. We come up with our own principles and then I I try to write, write them down in real time. So, all right, here we go. All right, let's see what they have to say. 
How far does God expect you to go in your obedience to him? How far does God expect you to go in your obedience to him? Well, I think this is very important. God calls, demands, commands perfect obedience. But obviously he knows that I will never, ever come close to that. That's why Jesus Christ came, fulfilled the law, kept of the law, gave perfect obedience. Therefore, by my faith in him, his perfect obedience is imputed to me. So he may expect perfect obedience, but he clearly knows that's never going to occur because if it could, well, we wouldn't need Jesus Christ. Let's go on to say, they go on to say, perhaps you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and have submitted to him in some important area, but you're still not certain that you want to turn every part of your life over to him. After all, as Paul wrote, all things are lawful for me. Salvation is through faith in Christ, and you can't lose it. So why do you need to obey his, his truly difficult commands? Well, let me make it very clear. First of all, this is I, I'm going to continue to correct this. We can never truly obey all his commands. We cannot do it. I know I'm going to get Christians like, no, we can. 2,000 years of church history shows, no, we cannot. And if you're even remotely honest with yourself, you have to acknowledge how far you fall short every single day, every single day, every single day, in every single way. You fall short constantly. And what you do and what you don't do, what you think, what you feel, it just it's, it's, it's all over the place. I wish it wasn't the case, but it is. They go on to say, don't miss the rest of Paul's message. He writes, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God wants you to enjoy the freedom which he gives you in every area, but the only way to attain that liberty is through obedience. That's why life principle number 21 teaches obedience always brings blessing. Well, Again, I do believe there is blessing connected to obedience. I by no means would deny it. I know we should pursue it. But no matter how obedient you think you were today, I'm telling you, it was tainted. It was corrupted. Even your good deeds is nothing more than filthy rags before a holy God. You don't love the way God calls you to love. You don't, I mean, there's just so many areas where we fall short. So let's see now if they're going to give us some context to Luke 11 verse uh, 28, which reads, but he said, yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. What is he referring to here? What, what is he talking about? Here we go. This is the context they, they try to provide us. People questioned the power by which Jesus cast out demons. And he replied, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. We read that in Luke 11, verse 20. Do you see that? Let's go back to verse 17 for context. Luke 11, verse 17. But he knowing, well, in fact, let's go back to Luke 11, verse 14. And he was casting out a devil and it, and it was dumb. And, he, and it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake and the people wondered. But so, oh, let me read this again. Luke eleven fourteen, And he was casting out a devil and it was dumb. Okay, that's exactly how it reads. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake and the people wondered. 
But some of them said he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven. So Jesus has performed miracles and there are some going, wait, 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 wait. He's doing that by the power of Beelzebub. He's doing that basically by the power of Satan. They don't, they can't deny the miracle. So they attribute the miracle to the power of Satan, to demonic action and demonic power. Verse 17, Jesus says in Luke 11, but he knoweth their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and a house divided against it, against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out the devils through Beelzebub. In other words, if he's casting out the devils through the power of Beelzebub, then it's basically Satan against demons. It's his own kingdom fighting against each other. And he says that would make the kingdom to be divided and it would fall. All right. And if by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. He's like, okay, if I'm doing it by devils, then who did your sons cast them out by? By what power did they cast them out by? But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. So basically Jesus is engaging and a back and forth with these people who are accusing him of doing miracles by the power of Satan. And he's making his arguments against it. All right. Jesus provides the only way that a person can be free, but he requires our obedience in the process. Now, I, this, I don't know which where they're going here. I'm getting a little nervous. All right. Jesus provides the only way that a person can be free. I agree. Free from what? All right. Now, remember, there's a lot of people who believe that when you become a Christian, you're giving, you're now free and you're free to obey. You now can obey. You have the ability to obey. Now, what many Christians say is you have the freedom to obey. You have the ability to obey. You have the power to obey. And then they come in and, but you have to read the fine print. However, no one will be perfect. You will still continue to sin. Well, wait a minute. If I have the power, why do I continue to sin? I mean, I, this becomes majorly problematic in many theological circles, and I have major problems with the way. Let's see where they're going. I have many problems with the way a lot of people handle this. But he says, but he requires our obedience in the process. All right. Now he requires our obedience, but if I'm not obedient, I'm, my salvation is based off his obedience, right? Right. Or, or let's see where they go with this. Now they come to a section called what the Bible says. Let's see if we get some context here. They tell us to read Luke 11, 23 through 28. All right, let's see what we have here. Luke 11, 23 through 28. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. Verse 25, and when he cometh, he find it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell thee and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. All right, so hey, if the demon is driven out and the person can, in a sense, clean up, 
He talks about the, the demon coming back now with seven coming back into the man, and the man's now worse off, worse off than he was when he was only possessed by one. But very odd story here. Again, this is what this bothers me so much about the book. He just he's just reaching into this section and trying to pull this out. And there's so many theological questions here, right? Now I will argue this. I'm just gonna go ahead. Remember, and this in these. I don't have time to do full-blown expositions here because we're trying to cover one of these passages each day, and I don't want these turning into 12 hours. If we need to come back to this at some point, we can. But let me give you my kind of whole philosophy about demonic possession and, and all kinds of things. Here's the thing I've always said. When it comes to supposedly someone being demonically possessed, what I want to do is not to have conversations with the demon. I don't care about the demon. I want to have a conversation with the person. So I need the demon either to go or the demon to be silenced, but I'm not really there to have some back and forth with the demon. I need to talk to the person because here's what the person needs. The person doesn't need just a removal of the demon. The person needs the gospel because until they are saved, I can throw the demon out of you 15 different times, but the demon is going to come right back with all of his friends because without you being saved, you can, you're still a child of the devil and Satan can, well, I mean, he already, he already owns you. You're a part of his family. It's only in salvation where now, you know, now you're a child of God and now the Holy Spirit indwells you and the Holy Spirit and Satan is not going to dwell in the same temple. You cannot be possessed. Until a person gets the gospel and becomes saved, they have no protection from demonic possession because they belong to Satan. So the key in demonic possession is not some big showy back and forth with the demon. It's speak to the person and present the gospel to them. I know that's not very Hollywood. I know that's not very dramatic. I know that's not very exciting, but it's what's required. The gospel, you are a sinner. Christ is your only hope of salvation. Trust in him. That's their only hope. The Salvation is the hope. Salvation is the cure to demonic possession. Right? So you may have to uh, have the demon leave in the name of Christ or silence the demon in the name of Christ, but you need to speak to the person and present the gospel. Until they receive the gospel, well, they, they, can, they can clean everything up. They can look great. They can look wonderful, but the demon's going to come right back, and that's what he describes here, right? I mean, look, let me read it to you again, all right? Um, verse 20, so verse 24, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man... He walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return into my house which I, which I came out. And when he cometh, he find it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell, dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. That person's spiritual condition is even worse now. He's got more demons under more demonic control. And the only freedom is salvation, not Think of it this way, salvation, not exorcism. Salvation, not deliverance. It, not all of the dramatic stuff we see. It just needs a quiet presentation of the gospel, and God has to be the one to save them. And without that salvation, there, there isn't any real hope, all right? 
Uh, they go on, uh, see, he goes on to, re, uh, they tell us to read verse 27. And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. And he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Right? Let, let's, let's, let's see what they do with all of this. They say this, what does Jesus mean when he says, he who is not with me is against me, and who, he who does not gather with me scatters? Well, it seems to state that, hey, if you are not with Christ, you're against Christ, that there's, no new, there's not a neutrality here. You're either with him or you're against him kind of concept. All right, then they, have, they, they state this, why can people turn to religion, re- rehabilitation programs, psychotherapy, and appear to get better only to relapse into their old way after a while. Now, okay, um, I don't know if this is applicable here. Right? I don't know if this is applicable uh, because the passage is about demonic possession. Now he's trying to apply the concepts to, re- to false religion, rehabilitation programs, psychotherapy, and appear to get better and only to relapse into their old way after a while. Now, you got to be careful here, all right? This is very important because I've known many Christians who I think people have truly become Christ and they struggle with some kind of addiction, some kind of problem, some kind of lust, some kind of sin, and they may relapse 10, 15 times. Once again, it's this evangelical teaching that if you come to Jesus, boom, all of your sin goes away, all of your lust goes away, and you never struggle anymore. You just no longer, uh, if you're an alcoholic, you're no longer an alcoholic. There may be some cases where that does happen to people where they just stop. But there's going to be always, look, whatever sin you think you've gained victory over today, there's 10 other sins you did not gain victory over today, and you failed and you sinned. Um, so I, I don't like this applying this. Well, look at those other religions. Those people go to those religions, they look better, but they're going to ultimately relapse. But hey, as Christians, we don't do that. That's just a fraudulent claim. That's just a fraudulent claim. It's not true. The text is about demonic possession. If the demon is removed, but the gospel has not entered into the person from which the demon was removed, the demons can simply come back because that person is still a child of the devil. That is how to apply this. They, they go on in the next verse. What do those belief systems and programs actually make room for? What does this say about how Satan influences people's lives? All right, so they they don't. Again, they want to apply it to this idea that hey, when you know, um, if you believe the wrong thing and go to these wrong programs, you're not going to be truly fixed because only only the gospel is going to fix you. So if you become a Christian, then all of these problems will go away. That's just not. It's just so inaccurate. There are Christians who struggle with with bitterness, unforgiveness, depression, addiction. You name, there's Christians who struggle with every, this idea. We, we really sell this in the evangelical world. Come to Jesus and boom, everything, all your problems just go away. And it's such to me, a, it's, a, it's like an info commercial that's a scam. And we sell it in a way that I don't think is accurate and portrays the reality of the Christian life. Um, now, 
I, I do agree with this statement to, to some level. They quote, of course, the famous verse, if anyone's in Christ is a new creature, old things are passed away, all things are become new. Remember, I have major issues with how Christians use this verse. It is true that when I became a Christian, I am a new creation and old has passed away. In my position, in my practice, in my in my physical life, the old nature is still there. So not all things have become new. You can't say that I'm a new creature and all things have been, and the old is gone and everything has become new when you have to acknowledge that the old nature is still there, the sinful nature is still there. Well, then not all things have become new. The, the old is not completely gone. The old is right there still in my flesh. The old nature is still there and I'm still going to continue to sin. So we sell that, hey, if you become a Christian, you're a new creature. All the old is gone. Everything is new. So then you have to start pretending to be something that you're actually not. And sooner or later, well, maybe for some, you can pretend the rest of your life. But for many, they start looking and realizing, nope, that's not true. It's true of your position. It's true of this, that when you become a Christian, you know how I'm supposed to see you? Not based off the old nature, not based off what you've done. I see the reality of your, I view you in light of your position, not in light of your practice. So I see you as a new creature in Christ. I treat you that way. And it doesn't mean we ignore the sin, but I know that even if you sin, you're still a new creature in Christ in your position, but we have to struggle with the practical reality of the sinful nature. We, tre- we teach this, or many do, that it's, many teach it, that it's a practical reality. And that's just not accurate. And it's not fair. All right. So then uh, they go on. They do say this. Uh, when you when you become a Christian, only the Holy Spirit can dwell in you. The enemy's unclean spirits no longer have a place in you. Now, I completely agree with that. Once the Holy Spirit moves in, the demonic possession is impossible. So that's the only cure to demonic possession is salvation. It's the only way to fix it. And then it says in Luke eleven twenty eight, what does Jesus admonish you to do? Well, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. I, I'm a guess. I'm I, I'm assuming what they're trying to get at there is that they he God wants me to hear it and God wants me to obey it. Uh Well, they they don't really give us. They they go in a lot of other directions, but they don't really do much with this. I'm going to read. Um, if I if I did say Luke eleven twenty eight, if I said Romans, I apologize. When you when and one day you've taught from Jude, you've taught from when you when you've taught t- when you've taught so many different things in one day, then all the scriptures start running together, right? Luke eleven. I'm going to read it in this Bible. Luke 11, all right, so, uh, and as he was saying all of those things about the unclean spirit, a woman from the crowd raises her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you. It definitely seems out of place. He's having this discussion about demonic spirits and demonic possession and all of these things. And all of a sudden, just someone just completely like, I don't care about any of that. I just want to say, blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you. And Jesus says, no, no. Rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God 
and keep it. Now, we, we could try to go through this. They, they, it's really bizarre the way the rest of this book looks like it tries to handle it. It, it. it doesn't really seem to actually try to deal with the text. It seems it just wants to deal with the concept that basically, um, now that you're a Christian, you're free to obey and you can do it. It, it kind of seems the direction they want to go. So, so let's think about this. Clearly, there is a blessing that comes from hearing God's word because it's the word of God, right? It's blessed to read it, blessed it is to, me- to memorize it. I mean, we could go to Psalm 1, right? We all know this passage. We could go to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the, of, of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. There is a blessing from God's word, from meditating on it. There's a blessing from, from feeding upon God's word. We can all agree there is a blessing that comes from God's word. It's a blessing to hear it, to read it, to study it, to memorize it, to feed upon it. There is, there is a blessing attached to God's word. It is God's word. It is inspired. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Blessed is the man who meditates upon it. It is the word of God. There is a blessing attached to it. That is a fact. And I believe that there is a natural blessing that flows from obeying it. What do I mean by that? I think we can all agree that if we look at God's laws and what God tells us to do or not to do, that we can typically see that just from a practical very pragmatic approach that avoiding many of the things he tells us to avoid would have positive ramifications for one's life, right? Do not kill. If you're out killing people, there's negative ramifications for that, right? You're probably going to be hunted down. You're going to be arrested and you could end up being killed depending on the state, capital punishment, imprisonment. You're going to destroy your life, right? Or you're going to have to constantly be running and hiding, I think everyone can agree. Do not steal. Negative implications that comes from stealing. We can go through all the different commandments over and over and over. We can see that there are positive, just natural results from obeying, right? So if we read it and we obey it, there is natural blessing from it. But a couple of things we have to determine. Number one, these are very important. We are never going to obey it perfectly, we're never going to obey it perfectly. So we have to, how, how then can we be truly blessed? That comes by our faith in Jesus Christ. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ, we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. So there is a, think of it this way. There's a positional blessing that we have all spiritual blessings simply because of our faith in Christ. There is a positional blessing, all spiritual blessings that is by faith in Christ. There's nothing we can do to get more. There's nothing we can do to get less. That is just there because of our position, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, all right? It's just there. Then there's a practical blessing that just flows naturally from obeying what God calls us to do and to avoid. There is a natural blessing that comes from it. I think we can all agree with that. 
There, or we could say it this way. There's a positional blessing and there's a practical blessing that comes from hearing God's word and obeying God's word. Now, we're always going to fall short. So then you have to ask yourself, well, exactly how does that work? Well, it works this way. If I bless two, if I follow two scriptures and obey two scriptures, I do receive whatever natural, just natural, logical, pragmatic blessing that will flow from it, right? I may be disobeying three others and I may get the natural consequences that come from that, that are not a blessing, that is painful, hurtful, destructive, and not a good thing. So sometimes, as I think our life is always a mixture of there's some blessing, and then I think sometimes there's a very negative implication. And I, I, I don't know if you hear that behind me. There are so many motorcycles right now. I think there's like, I think everyone in the neighborhood is riding motorcycles and dirt bikes around the neighborhood. Okay, I'm getting very, very irritated. It's not a, a I, I'm not going to be blessed in what I'm thinking, okay, because I'm getting very irritated, but I'm trying to ignore it, all right? So I think there's a, I think we have to see there's a positional blessing. You're blessed in Christ with all spiritual blessings. That's just a there by faith. You have, you can't, nothing, can, I want to make sure you understand that. Nothing takes that away. Disobedience, sin does not take away those spiritual blessings because you have them in Christ Jesus. But then there's your practical everyday life. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And guess what your life is made up of? There's times of obedience. There's times of disobedience. There's times of listening to God's word. There's times of ignoring God's word. So it's a mixed bag on any given day. There's just no way to get her. I don't know why he went to a passage here that's more about demonic possession than anything else. And then he's just trying to make a point. She's trying to put the focus on, you know, blessed is your mother. And he's like, no, blessed are those who hear and obey my word. It's and some people get into oh see this this destroys certain Catholic ideas about Mary. It's 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 not even about that. He just wants you to understand. No 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 no. Blessing comes if you want blessing in your life in a practical way. It's from obey. It's from hearing and obeying God's word. From hearing and obeying God's word. All right. So I'm going to work out a principle here. Right. And, and I, I just think it's very important. So I'm going to write this out. As you listen to the motorcycles in the background, do everything that they possibly can to disrupt me and distract me. This will be principle 38. I'm going to say this. We must understand we must understand there is A positional blessing and a practical blessing. All right? There is a positional and there is a practical. All right? And I'm going to put, and this is how I'm going to write it down. The pos- And this is all going to be in this. The positional... The positional is found in Ephesians 1, verse 3. The practical is found in Luke 
11. Is it 28? I don't want to give us the wrong pass, the wrong scripture. And Luke 11, verse 28. We must understand that there is a positional blessing and a practical blessing. The, the positional is found in Ephesians 1, 3. The practical is found in Luke eleven twenty eight. Now, we could put the, the, the whole principle down about demonic possession. Demonic possession is only resolved through the gospel, through salvation, not deliverance and exorcism. All of that is temporary if the person does not receive the gospel. They have to believe the gospel. Then the demon has to go. The demon cannot stay when the Holy Spirit comes in. And once a person is saved, they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But that's not the key verse here to his, his point. So I'm not going to add that other practical principles, even though I think it's important, just because it's not really what this is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be this idea of blessing. And he's only attached, he's only looking at it from a, like, you know, a practical blessing. You, you, you get a, you, you're, you're blessed if you obey. Okay. Well, remember, there is a blessing that comes just by faith alone. Not has anything to do with my obedience, has everything to do with the obedience of Christ. But there is a practical blessing that comes from obedience. And I want that blessing. And I hopefully you want that blessing. Now, there, let's be honest. There are times I don't want that blessing. There's times I want what I think I'm going to get from the disobedience. I Sometimes I want what's going to come from disobedience more than I want from the blessing that's going to come from obedience. Because sometimes that that comes from disobedience is a more temporary pleasure, a temporary satisfaction, a temporary joy, a temporary happiness that is immediate. It's instantaneous. I get it right then and there. But the blessing that comes from obeying God's word, it may not be so instantaneous. It may not be right there. It may, and it may not be as exciting as the other would be. That's just the reality of it. We have to acknowledge that. Sometimes it's hard to see the blessing that God's word, obeying God's word, hearing and obeying God's word will give us. It's hard to see it because we're blinded by the desire for the immediate. We, we are blinded by our desire for the immediate satisfaction, for the immediate whatever. It's hard to see. No, no, no. Long-term blessing is better than immediate gratification. Uh, but so many times I want the immediate gratification over the long-term blessing. I, I, don't have, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only person that's ever happened to in the history of Christianity. But it happens. Positional blessing and a practical blessing. Positional Nothing to do with me. Practical? Yeah, there's practical blessings that come from obeying. Just remember, you're never going to do it perfectly. And anything in evangelicalism that claims that you can or even claims that you can even come close to that is just ridiculous because for every, I'm telling you, for every three things you were obedient in today, there's probably six things you weren't. We'll see if that leads to any questions or conversations. But for now, we'll wrap this up. Now, look, now that I'm done, listen. All the, motor, all the motorcycles stopped. So, so what they're doing is see, they're, they're probably listening, going, hey, he's almost done. We can just stop now. We're, we're done. Everybody good now? Yeah, see, they're done. They're done riding motorcycles when I'm done. But the whole time I was talking, it was... 
what was that? What was that? I, I don't know. It was, it was irritating is what it was, but okay, we're good. All right, I think I'm going to be done for the evening. It's now 6.16 p.m. I've taught for well over almost, well, well, well over four hours today. So hopefully something in all the teaching has been beneficial. Um, if you have any questions about any, about any of the uh, 30 scriptures we've looked at, oh, not 30, the 21 we've looked at so far, let me know, newsif at yahoo.com. If you have any questions specifically about this subject that we've talked about today, let me know, and we will explore it in a different broadcast. All right. Thanks for listening. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. This was frustrating because... I really thought once we got to a New Testament one, I could really gri- grab into it and, and take it apart. But this was so like, hey, there's this whole section about demonic possession. Boom. And then this woman just cries out and then he just grabs the verse there and just, I, I it's just so random. Well, where he finds these verses, it's so just weird. And he, then he completely ignores all the actual biblical teaching on blessing. Like, no, no, we're blessed. Okay, yeah, I won't go back through it again, but there you go. All right, you can let me know what you think. Everyone have a great day, a great evening, a great rest of your holiday weekend. And uh, we'll probably try to do a, some, a couple of things tomorrow. Well, we'll know we'll do part, we'll do day 22, scripture number 22 tomorrow. We will at least accomplish that. I may only get one thing done tomorrow with it being the fourth, and I don't know how many fireworks will be going off in the local area. So it may not be till Tuesday before we pick everything back up. And I think starting on Wednesday, we'll probably be doing a lot of live broadcasting the rest of the week. So uh, if, if, if there's a little delay Monday or Tuesday, well, I mean, Monday or Tuesday, we have to do the 30 scriptures in 30 days, but we'll pick up on Wednesday and try to catch up on anything we're behind on. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day, great holiday weekend. God bless.